Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z, a show that covers everything Doctor Who from beginning to end, from 1963 to present, from Hartnell to Gatwa, from Auton to Zygon. Howdy, Whovians! Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z. My name is Alan. And I am Josh. And we are joined by our best buddy, Ashley Rayburn. Ashley, what's going on, dude? Hey guys, how, how's it going? It's it's great. It's great to be back. Ah, we've missed you. Well, I've missed being here. It's it's so every time I'm here, it's like old times. I get to uh, uh, ridicule Josh for things. <laughs> Podcasts going downhill. It doesn't take much. <laughs> All right, we got some news to talk about this week. Um, Josh, you've got a story that you were wanting to uh, share with everybody. So lay it on us. Sure, will do. Well. The best thing that came out of the Chibnall era, of course, was something that Chibnall had absolutely nothing to do with, <laughs> but it was the podcast Doctor Who Redacted, which uh, was written by Juno Dawson and uh, starred Charlie Craggs, Lois uh, Chimiba, and Holly Quinn Acra, which I'm sure I butchered their names, but... Uh, they are all going to be back for a season two, which I am very excited for because it was extremely well done. That uh, podcast, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I would highly recommend it. It's uh, very much in the vein of, uh, you know, a, a more darker toned, like, you know, like I, want, I don't want to say horror because this go as far as horror is still Doctor Who. But in that same type of vein, you know, it's a very big genre of podcasts that kind of lean into audio horror. And it kind of plays into that a lot. Uh, Gina Dawson, actually, I believe, has done some work in that area with some other podcasts. I'm not 100% certain, but I think she has. And so it was very excellently well done. And so I cannot wait to uh, hear the second season. Um, it's going to be picking up right where they left off and uh, a new adventure for the uh, trio of friends and their podcast that they do and put together. And I'm sure Doctor Who will get involved in it in some form or fashion. And for people who aren't familiar with this, this is a serialized drama kind of thing. It's not like, a, you know, it's not like this kind of podcast. Right, right. It's one that it, people it is, might actually want to listen to. It is a, it is a serialized drama um, about a group of friends who host a podcast called The Blue Box Files. Kind of doing, you know, if you remember back in that first uh, 2005 episode with Craig was falling around all the reports and rumors of the Doctor and the Blue Box. So they they kind of were doing the same thing. And it's kind of like a treated as a, the Doctor as an urban legend as they were investigating it. And like each episode, like, you know, another story about the escapades of, in, of the Doctor and the Blue Box that showed up and the horrible things that happened when it showed up, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, they get involved in an actual adventure with the Doctor. And uh, it's very good. So check out that first season. And I'm happy it's got back for season two. That is awesome. Yeah. And season two starts on September the 18th, which is next week as we are recording this. That's right. And I will admit, I never got around to listening to the first season. Shame. I know. I know. So I will. It I will seriously, is my favorite thing that came out of the Chimney Air. <laughs> I will make sure I get that this week. So I'll be ready for season two next week. Excellent. So that's a thing, right? Like, uh, these kind of conspiracy kind of podcasts where they take an, an idea and there's, there's a lot of, I mean, uh, fictionalized conspiracy uh, podcasts. And this falls in that vein, which I think uh, Tannis and the black tapes, Josh, you sure. turned me on to both of those. Absolutely. And this one follows those, that kind of that line of um, stuff as well. Yeah. We should just do ours about conspiracy theories, but like real ones, like, <laughs> like Dr. Who conspiracy theories. So on that note, there is a sort of conspiracy theory, and that is that Ryan Gosling has a guest role in the next season of Doctor Who because he has been seen on set. That's well, as far I mean, as that goes. I'm sure that'll be very exciting. I mean, it'll be very exciting for my wife, who <laughs> loves Ryan. So I mean, she'd be happy to see him on screen when I'm watching Doctor Who, I'm sure. 
Right. Uh, he could just be visiting his friend from the Barbie movie. That's right. Shooting. But uh, probably, you know, but you know, I mean, they keep a pretty close set, you know, so and you know, hey, if you got him on set, why not stick him in there? Even if it's just for a moment, you know, even if it's just a cameo. Sure. Do it. I mean, hey, get those eyes on it. That's what they want. They want to bring those eyes back to Doctor Who. That's Disney right. Plus, Ryan Gosling. What more can you do? I mean, Barbie's the biggest thing that happened in the past year. So absolutely, if you can work that Barbie angle. Do it. Yeah. So you've got uh, I wonder how much of that is. Like, and what people are saying is like, it's the Disney money, right? Because we've got the Disney, um, there's the Disney streaming uh, that's coming. So yeah. you've got more of those. We've got, um, oh man, what's his name? Doogie Hauser. Like to me, it's still Doogie Hauser. <laughs> no, Patrick uh, no Patrick Harris, right? Uh, also Dr. Horrible. Those are the two things that I uh, know him from. Right. Uh, other things too. But, um, but I mean, he's in this, he's fairly large, especially uh, he's a pretty big name uh, over here. And then, Ryan Gosling is huge, right? So yeah, it'd be interesting to see where where they go with that, and if it is uh, the Disney streaming rights that are, are allowing them to uh, have that much. Yeah, Ryan is a self-professed Whovian, and when Shooty got announced, you know, as the next Doctor, he was the first person to sport a a Shooty Gatwa fifteenth Doctor shirt. Um, so, you know, I mean, he could just be, Hey, Hey, shooty, we were buddies on the Barbie movie. How did you get me in on the set, man? Just let me, just let me come on set. Just let me see what's going on, man. Come on. Very well could. Yeah. He's probably just there because they have good craft services or something. I mean, if I had a best friend who got cast as the doctor, I'd want them to get me on. The I show would too, work so. that angle left and right. Absolutely. So there was uh, another British show. It's it's funny when British shows get these like big American movie stars and they kind of subtly put them in. There's a show called Doc Martin. Oh, yeah. um, uh, and uh, there's an episode of that where um, Sigourney Weaver is in it. And it is uh, because um, the I do not know the actress's name, but the character is Miss Tischel. Uh, that that actress like in her were like roommates. Right. So. Uh, in, in their early acting days. So she had the contact and then they brought her in and they were like best friends. And, and uh, it was kind of cool to see like Sigourney Weaver, who's huge uh, here over in, mm-hmm. in that particular show. It's just like a TV episode. Yeah. That's really cool. And there's one other rumor that's been circulating, which I'm sure means absolutely nothing. Cause I haven't seen anybody produce any evidence to support it at all. At least there's photos of Ryan Gosling being on set. <laughs> and wearing a shoot he got with t-shirt. But the rumor is that the BBC has officially decanonized the timeless child and are going to scrap it from, you know, being used again. And I, a, that I'm sure that's the direction that's going to go. I'm sure that no one from this point on is ever going to reference it again, but I don't think it's actually been officially no scrap i mean, like, I mean that that's just, just se- silly it just seems ridiculous what's the point of like making some sort of official statement like number one i've not right. seen it anywhere so i i doubt the validity of that and then number two like we've already gone through this before like the doctor has been half human since 1996 and yet <laughs> right. has never been mentioned again so i think the time of child will be the same it will just never be mentioned again yeah yeah so I what agree. i've seen about this is interesting because it's it's um coming out of an annual Right. That's the where this leak is. What I what I've read is it's coming out of the upcoming annual and it's it's not really decanonizing. It's saying choose the canon you want. Right. And it, and it's an article, I think, by Russell T. Davies. And it's just like you could love the timeless child or you could love. Uh, he didn't say this, but looms or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and their well, idea is like it do. doesn't matter. So it's not so much. I think that idea of decanonization isn't what's actually happening. No, I They're agree. They're just saying like we're not going to have a. You choose your own canon. Yeah, I mean it's basically Doctor Who fans taking a nugget of something and running with it in a direction that it was never intended to be run with. No, they never do that. <laughs> yeah, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all Doctor Who is. It's just a producer not liking what the last producer do, did, and then changing it (laughs) yeah not totally wrong (laughs) right (laughs) all right so this week we are going to be talking about 
the fifth installment of Big Finish's ongoing 60th anniversary saga, Once and Future. And this week, the episode is called The Martian Invasion of Planetoid 50. It came out, as we're recording this, it came out yesterday on Tuesday, September 12th. It's written by Jonathan Barnes, directed by Ken Bentley. And it stars, you will never recognize any of these names, David Tennant, Michelle Gomez, Nev Campbell, not Nev Campbell, (laughs) Nev McIntosh, Katrin Stewart, and Dan Starkey. The first doctor arrives in Victorian London amid a Martian invasion, but he discovers all is not what it seems when Missy appears. Soon, the doctor is propelled into a future incarnation, the 10th, but he is not alone in battling Missy and her Martian invaders. The Paternoster gang are also here to assist, but can they offer the doctor any help in solving his degeneration mystery? So just a quick uh, review of how we handle this, Ashley. So we're going to talk about the story non-spoiler. So we're not going to give any sort of spoilers. We will then rate it. Then we will go into spoilers. That way, if anybody is doesn't want to be spoiled, they can turn us off after we give our rating. So just FYI, spoiler-free talk until we hit the spoiler-free zone. All right. So n- now that we have that covered, what did you guys think about it? You know, we've... Uh, to do a little recap, we have had a little bit of issue with the way that this saga has played out in, in the sense that it's been a lot of standalone stories and not a lot of continuation of the story arc up until this the last episode, which really started to seemingly get down into the mud of this thing. Do we feel like this one has continued along that path? Well, I mean, kind of. Kind of. But that said... I'm a little ashamed to admit that I love this episode. The best oh, wow. one by far so far. I'm not surprising. I'm I'm telling you. I mean, like, I I don't know. It's it's just it's fun. It is fun. Mm-hmm. It has enough of a tie in to the main ongoing story arc that I don't feel like it's a complete waste of time like some of the earlier stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it does obviously, and again, I think this is just going to be something that we see with all of these stories. It, it does have a feeling of, all right, here's we've thrown the darts at the board. Here's the characters we landed on. Let's try to come up with a story around it. Write the story, and then, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to tie it into superficially this uh, meta arc that we're dealing with for the anniversary stories. And yeah. I think that's just going to be all of them, but at least this one I enjoyed listening to from beginning to end. I mean, like it's just, it's so hard not to have fun when you have Michelle Gomez in a story. Well, you ha- you have a point there. I mean, Michelle is gold and at all times. And I thought she was really good in this one. And I thought her part was written really well. And she just clearly had fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, the performances were great. I think uh, that um, Missy and the Tenth Doctor work really well together, mm-hmm. um, and like better than I I thought they would. And I think that I can't really say a lot more. It, I I think it was good. I don't think I liked it as much as Josh did, but I also this isn't this is the first one I've listened. Well, that's to. That's what I was going to ask you. So, so. C- coming ah. into this, so so I, I do want to cover this because I mean, obviously, this is written as a series of stories, but I do think they made the conscious effort to try to make them standalone as well. So, how did you feel about not having listened to any of the other ones? Did you get the idea of the story? Were you interested in finding out what was going on, or did you just enjoy the story for what it was? Yeah, I, I didn't really know what was going on at first because I kind of came into it. It's, you know, it's kind of billed as the David Tennant story, but it takes, you know, 10 minutes to get to the 10th Doctor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that, I, I think it's the first Doctor. Um, is it the first Doctor yeah, at the beginning? It we'll, is, we'll, yeah. we'll talk a little more about that in spoilers because I do have some things to say about that, which I, and again, I really liked the way that it used the first was, Doctor. Was the last story the first Doctor? No. 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 They, okay. they, so essentially, at the start of each of these stories, he he kind of flits between incarnations before settling on an incarnation for the story. And so this one was done a little bit differently. But again, yeah. we'll talk more about it in spoilers. I don't want to talk about like exactly how it happens at the beginning of the story without, you know, getting out but, of the story for the free zone right, first. But that said, um, I think 
you start out with the first doctor and it, it takes off and goes into the, uh, you find out what's going on and, and it made kind of sense. Now, to be fair, you gave me a primer and I kind of knew what was happening in, in that respect, <clears throat> but it was, it was a little jarring. Uh, I'll be honest that kind of, you go from like one place to, I, I don't even really know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And it takes a while for that to be uh, made clear. Uh, like, and, and that's part of the plot. I will. Right. Fair, and I, I will assuage like how you're feeling like the first story starts just like this. It is like no lead up to it. It just happens. And then, then the stuff is the doctor's changing the incarnations and then, then the rest of the story happens. So like you're not really missing out any sort of big grand explanation at all. It's just. Yeah. The way so they can I ask this stories. question? And this isn't this isn't spoilery. Um, it, it, this is the first one Missy is in. Right. Correct. Is it the first one that the master is in? It is. Yes, it's a, it's a different set of characters in every one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I knew that, but I wasn't sure if there was a theme with the master because there was, I, that's the thing, I was kind of confused because um, of kind of where things led. I was like, oh, so is is the master involved in this? Is like the big plot. Um, yeah. Or is, is um, or Master Missy or, or whichever one. Um, I wasn't sure if you had seen other incarnations. We have of not. And so, I mean, we'll talk more about that plot point in the spoiler section. I mean, we may have more going forward. Who knows? But this is the first time we've had the master in these stories. Yeah. We've had the curator. We've had the 11. We've had some other, you know, known characters that have come in. But this is the first master one. So let's let's talk about, again, one of the big things we've been talking about in this series is the random eclectic collection of characters thrown into a story together. How do we feel that they handled this, you know, jumble of characters for this story? I didn't think it was as jarring as some of the other ones because it's it it starts in like mid situation. Like we don't know how um, Vastra and Jenny kind of ended up where they end up, you know, at the beginning of the story, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's explained well enough that you know what's happening and the way that Strax gets roped into it is, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just didn't think it was as off putting as, especially the last episode where Mm -hmm. it was just the most random collection of people all of a sudden, in a story together. Yeah, I agree. I think that it made it, I mean, like for what the story is, it made yeah. a logical sense as to why these characters would be involved along with, you know, Missy. And I didn't really have a problem with that at all. Like, I think out of all the stories we've listened to this so far, this is the one that flowed most naturally mm-hmm. narratively because I mean, I mean, we, I mean, like, I don't think it's any sort of like real spoilers because it gets, you know, pretty much shown right out of the gate. Like this is a uh, homage to war of the worlds by HG Wells. And right. so the time frame that they are in um, is very much, conducive to bringing in the Padnastra gang. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that it, that worked well as an explanation as to why we're using these characters. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I thought that all the characters, including the, the guest characters all gelled really well. I thought that there was a great chemistry between, and you know, it's, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it's funny to talk about the chemistry between these characters, because as we find out when we listen to the, uh, the bonus material the interviews at the end this was in recorded in the middle of lockdown where they're all in their separate homes recording on equipment that big finish sent them and is literally over three years ago that this was recorded which yeah. is insane listening to those extras like just blows my mind because yeah. again they're making a big deal about being in lockdown and dealing with the pandemic and and you know talking about you know, having to use that experience with still recording, you know, away from each other. And it's so weird to hear them talk about. And it also, I mean, moving past that, you know, just as a side effect, because, you know, we're talking about the behind the scenes stuff. Once again, it just amazes me how like, all right, well, we have to start writing this so far in advance. So this particular part was written before all the other parts. Then we just kind of figured out how it all ties together in later on. It's like, don't tell people that, man, because you're just making it worse. Every single time I listen to one of these behind the scenes, you make it just all the more obvious that you're just completely doing stuff out of order and just 
trying to like put it together with shoestring and bubblegum. <laughs> because obviously this was a story written with the, the what happens in the story and then the extra bits added on to have it tied to all the other stuff. Like, oh, that, that always gets me. And we have talked before about wondering how far back these stories originated, the writing and the recording and all that kind of stuff. And so when we, they started the interviews, they were talking and the, they, the more they said, the more I was like, my God, th this is, this is 2020. This is in yeah. lockdown. And then at one point, David Tennant says when references the world of July, 2020, and I'm like, Holy cow, this really is over three years old. Crazy. That's amazing how far in advance they work. I know. As we said, Tom Baker stories for another hundred years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll have them forever. All right. So then also what is interesting about this story is we actually get another character that's not one of our returning from the show characters, which we haven't really had in any of the other stories because every single character we focused on has been a returning character. But this time we get yeah. an original character, you know, just for the story. And that kind of threw me off at the beginning. It was like, Whoa, here we are. Original character. I'm not mm -hmm. used to that from what's in the future. Yeah, that's true. And I thought that she worked very well in the context of this story. I thought that she, if, of course, first of all, she says she's a journalist and that immediately makes you think of Sarah Jane. Sure. But aside from that, um, it was interesting to have this uh, unique character, this character written for this story to be such a, a part of the narrative of it. And, and I really enjoyed it and I, and I liked her a lot. And we're talking about a character called Jessamy Moore, who was played by Hannah Genesius. Mm -hmm. that's a and great I mean, last name and, i mean like she's also i mean like she, obviously she is like a reference to the way that war the war was told you know because yes. it's told through journalistic you know and she's writing in her journal the whole time like recounting the story and whatnot so it's all a reference to war of the worlds but there was a moment when i was listening to this and i was wondering i was like you know i really wondered you know we watched time lash not too long ago i was like I wonder at one point in time, do they really think about putting HG Wells in there in that, in that slot? Cause I, I would not have put that past big finish. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And I wouldn't have been opposed to that at all. Even though we already had it in time lash and it may have created a little, you know, conflict. I mean, but they I could, care. I mean, they could have had him recognize the doctor after all this time or whatever. Ooh, I mean, true. like they, I, and I, I, that might have over egged it just a little bit for yeah. me. I'm a kind of glad bit. they didn't do that, but I, I, I bet that there was a thought to do that at some point in time <laughs> when they were, you know, right. spitballing the story. You know, to to play it, since they do this so far in advance, if, if they were really thinking this through, they would plant a companion that would be they're planning in like, you know, a year and uh, let them, you know, be a future companion where they come back to like. And, you know, maybe they, they will. I don't know. But I thought this character worked really well in that way. And I, I wonder how much of that is a uh, <clears throat> almost like a nod to those those David Tennant specials where he had a different companion yeah. every time. And so this character kind of picks up and becomes a companion for a short period yeah, of time. Much so. And then does the thing because it, it feels a lot like that. Of course, you have the other characters that we do know, but it feels almost in that that era of the of the David Tennant era where mm -hmm. he is doing uh, those things. There's always a character that fulfilled that companion role, even when the doctor was, you know, technically companionless. Thinking, uh, you know, thinking back to what you were saying about, you know, doing this two years ago or three years ago, four years ago, how long has it been? I don't know. It's been a while <laughs> is thinking about like, uh, personally, you've got David Tennant, who at that time I don't believe knew that he was going to be the doctor again uh, in a new uh, incarnation uh, yeah. coming up. So we've got also kind of got that, like you're playing all of these things. I mean, big finish takes a gamble, I think by doing this stuff so far in advance in a way uh, because you, because BBC, I mean, they have to get everything approved, but you got a new showrunner come in and something just isn't, doesn't jive anymore. Is it still going to be approved? Well, right. I, mean, I, don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's so legal things that keep that from happening well but. you may not know this actually but the last part of this story will not be coming out until november of 2024 the reason being for that is the bbc requested that they delay it for a year 
So what that means, I don't know. But that, again, you're talking about they work so far in advance and they don't know what's going to happen. I think they work far in advance, didn't know what's going to happen, and now they're having to delay the end of their story by a year because of it. Yeah, and that being the the, the big end to their anniversary story, yeah. too. <clears throat> that would be like if Zagreus came out uh, on the 50th anniversary as opposed to the uh, the 40th. I mean, <laughs> I, I, or I'm, never at all. I'm super interested to find out what is in that last episode of the story be, that caused the BBC to say, hey, you have to wait a year to release it because of reasons. I'm dying I to know what those reasons are. And, and why a year? You know, why not, you know, January after the 60th specials are over I with? I mean, it had better be some year monumentally huge i would be so upset you, like you know it isn't they, gonna be though <laughs> i know but it's like it's just so arbitrary the bc says you have to wait a year to release the end of your story like what that's crazy yeah anyway we're off topic again let's bring it okay. back let's bring it back to david Tennant because lord knows i've made no secret that i am not the biggest fan of the 10th doctor but I am a big fan. I, I, you can't help but not like David Tennant. I mean, he's a fan right. of the show. He's very infectious. We listen to him. And, you know, we talked a little bit about last time that Colin, I think, kind of got the idea that he was not exactly playing the Sixth Doctor. Well, you know, Tennant absolutely nails the idea that I'm playing not the Tenth Doctor, but this other Doctor that happens to be in the Tenth Doctor's body. Mm -hmm. And... I think he absolutely knew what he was doing. And this doctor is not the same as a 10th doctor. And I don't think he'll be the same as the 14th doctor. Right. It, it's, it is this, I mean, we were assuming it's the eighth doctor in the 10th doctor's body. And I think it works really well, like even better than like what Colin did. Like Colin was subtle. This is, I think more overt, different from his portrayal. I mean, like enough to be recognizable, he is David Tennant as the Doctor, but he's not quite the same as that Tenth Doctor. See, that didn't strike the same impression on me that it that it did in the last episode with Colin, and I just felt like this was another typical David Tennant performance, a very good performance, and I thought he was great in the story. And there is something that you you cannot contain David Tennant. When you put David Tennant and Michelle Gomez together and they both just play so hard and, right. and so big that it, it just elevates the story, I think. But I didn't necessarily pick up on it being that different from the 10th. I mean, it, I mean, like, again, it's, it's a subtle thing, but I, I kind of picked up on it. I mean, okay. like he obviously mentions it several times throughout the course of the story. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was thinking about it as I was listening to him to yeah. notal notice you know subtle differences i mean like he's still tenant as a doctor so it's gonna be annoying right. as whatever you find the doctor to be but uh i mean like again it just it felt maybe I'm, i was just caught up in the fact that i i like the step of the story and i was enjoying sure. it and that his playing off uh michelle gomez is just phenomenal that um i found myself you know really enjoying the performance maybe i'm just justifying it that you know i'm enjoying a tith doctor performance maybe could be, so. could be. <laughs> no i actually agree with alan on this one i think um i you would. i thought it was a <laughs> well i thought i thought it was a, a a very typical um david Tennant performance I, I thought it was a very good it's actually one of the better david Tennant audio performances i think that i've that i've heard i've not heard a ton of them uh, but i've heard a number of them and i think at this point, he's he's gotten better at uh, the audio, and and I think that's one of the things that I noticed too is just like how much he just turns into the Doctor. I've li been listening to him on other things, um, uh, Ahsoka, uh, and then I've, uh, he's my kids have been watching um, uh, the 2012 Ninja Turtle show that also has David Tennant as a character, a robot in that show as well, and, uh, and so I've heard his voice a lot lately. And just when he does, sometimes it is that doctor, that doctor voice. Sometimes it's Scottish. Sometimes it's uh, whatever he does, but he does it really well. Um, I really like that. The one thing I wish they, they had done is I wish they had given him the chance to uh, go into his, uh, his Scottish accent um, beside Michelle Gomez, uh, <laughs> as, as he has done in the past uh, in, in his portrayal of the doctor, just, 
fade into that, you know, oh, you're Scottish or, you know, something like that. And uh, I thought that would have, that would have been a fun touch. Um, but um, that obviously isn't here nor there. It's just a, a joke, a passing joke. But um, when David Tennant is on, he is, he is like on and he, he just has an energy and a love for this character. And I think it shines through. Of course, mm-hmm. you guys know, I'm a, I'm a David Tennant fan. I love, love it's all nostalgia for me, but, I love that. I, I love his energy that well, he brings. Know, he brought it in this. I, I will tell you what it is. Like a lot of times, the tenth Doctor to me has this like smug, self-important swagger to himself that I really don't enjoy for a lot of times. And I didn't see that in this performance. It was much more um, like I always see the eighth Doctor as being like full of exuberance in life, and I felt like he was kind of being a very exuberant tenth Doctor without the self-important smugness about him and mm. that's how, how much of that though is because missy's smugness is even more i mean maybe so i mean like it just might be the fact that because the presence of missy is doling that on tenant's portrayal that i mean again I, she's phenomenal in this and steals every scene that she's in and makes me completely love the story because of it and maybe that's just drawing my attention away from but again i just did not find his portrayal as a doctor as mm-hmm. annoying as I do a lot of times watching him on TV. Yeah. And it could be also that he's in his bedroom sure. three years ago in the middle of a pandemic. And he's just not as animated as he would be when he's on set in front of cameras with other people Maybe around so. him. Yeah. So, but either way, I think it works well for the story. So mm-hmm. it's a win for everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> what do we think about the Paternoster gang? In the context of this story, can, can I can I say this related to that question? Okay. Um, the trailer for this story does not do it justice. Uh, if you if you listen to the trailer, it it cuts. The trailer is deliberately misleading, and and the way it's misleading, mm-hmm. it just makes it sound like um, the the uh, actors are bad. <laughs> like uh, because of the way Jenny that character. Um, has a certain vocal inflection purposely in this, in this story. Yeah. And that trailer cuts it in a way where it just sounds like she's acting that way. <laughs> uh, a, a because they, they cut the trailer in a way where it sounds like she is talking to different characters than she's actually talking to. Yeah. It's intentional. I, I get that. And, and you have to take that with a grain of salt when you're listening to a trailer. Um, that said, I thought, I thought um, when it actually came out, uh, I actually wasn't l- looking forward to listening to this based on the trailer uh, that they that that I had listened to because it sounded bad, frankly. Yeah. Uh, but when it all plays into context, yeah, it's fantastic. And I thought those characters played pretty well. Well, I mean, on the subject of the Paternoster gang, like I don't like, uh, you know, in the realm of new series side characters that annoy me <laughs> there. I mean, like. They're obviously well below Osgood. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't hate them. I don't mind them. Like they're fine. Like Strax is even amusing in small doses, um, as long as you're, you know, not overusing him. So uh, they, you know, were used as um, they're they're playing roles from like the War of the Worlds story during the course of the uh Hmm. episode and i I think that was a good use for them like if you're doing an homage to war of the worlds and you've already got a character in the form of jessamy who is you know serving as like the narrator or like the chronicler of the story like you know why not just go a whole hog and you know use our i mean it's i don't want to say wizard of ages because like they're not like acting like different characters they're just being themselves but just the roles that they are in are like roles that characters in the war of the world story enacted and in and as far as that goes like it was a good use of them they didn't bother me um again they feel completely secondary to the doctor and missy and they're just kind of around at points but i i didn't think it was like total misuse of them and they didn't annoy me so for that i'm okay with it yeah I kind of agree with that. I I never really cared for them. I mean, they were great for a one-time appearance, but the number of times that they came back on screen was a a bit much for me. And I'm glad that they didn't appear beyond Capaldi's first episode. Um, I didn't mind them at all. I'm not a big Strax fan. I'm not a big fan of turning 
the Santorans or a Santoran into comic relief. Right. Um, even though it's funny sometimes. You right. Know? That's why I said I, small doses. Like when you right. overdo it, like it's, oh my God, shut up. Exactly. Um, so any last things we want to say before we transition? Do we want to go ahead and rate it? Sounds good to me because everything else I got to say is all spoilery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So out of 10, Ashley, what you going to score this one? Uh, I think I'll go with a seven. I think uh, just because um, I think I don't have the full context. And, and so it may not even be fair for me to rate it. But uh, I thought it, I thought it was good. I don't think I liked it as much as Josh, which is surprising considering. I know. It's, 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 um, we live in a but, weird world. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was was fine. I I don't think I thought it was phenomenal. Now, I also like had just listened to a different story that was equally weird. So I may have changed <laughs> uh, changed my perception of that. Well, listen, so, I, I don't know. I thought it was all right. I'm going to give it an 8.5 because I really enjoyed it. But I mean, like, again, the the majority of that is off the back of Michelle Gomez. I just, I enjoy her as Missy so much. And if you had stuck another version of the master in the story and played it exactly the same, like, I don't think I would have liked it anywhere near as much, but the fact that she is in there just elevates it so highly for me. Yeah. It just having her and I, I just, she's such a joy to listen to and the interaction between her and Tenet is just so delightful and they're just hamming it up so much. And that's just the kind of thing that I really enjoy. Um, I, I thought all the references and nods to war of the worlds were great. The, I mean, the, the story in of itself was fast paced and uh, fun and just like a great little adventure story. And even like the stuff they tied in to the meta arc of the once and future stuff, like it worked for me. Uh, so I, I came out again, easily my favorite that we've had so far in this series. Well, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm just going to say ditto to everything that you just said. And I'm going to also give it an 8.5 because right. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun and I thought it was fun in ways that most of the previous chapters have not been. And I just thought that every element worked and the performances were what sold it for me. So mm -hmm. I totally enjoyed it. And that, dear listeners, brings us to the spoiler section. If you have not listened to this story and you don't want to know spoilers, now is the time to no longer listen, but we are going to move into the spoilers and we're going to really dig into the dirt of this thing. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say, I really enjoyed that. This story started out with a sizable scene. Yes. For the first doctor, a, for, uh, the first doctor and that it happened at all, that we actually got some content with a different doctor before transitioning into absolutely the I main doctor that. of this. I thought it was fantastic. Like, and the, the way that it works, like, because, you know, obviously the first doctor shows up and it's obviously a world, the world homage. And like the first doctor fits in so well with that whole environment, right? Like you could have told the story with the first doctor in it. It would have been a completely different story, but it would have been just as equally valid because the way he yeah. fits into like a world of worlds environment. And the fact that we get like a good 10, 15 minutes of him and starting the story um, and not just doing this random flip between incarnations that they've done in the other stories. Like I thought that was an excellent touch to really kind of, you know, put across what is going on with a doctor rather than just doing a couple of random voices, like just over a quick span to actually put him in as the first doctor for the start of the story and then have him change into tenant. I thought that worked so well. It was so interesting. Yeah. I, I loved it. And it reminded me of the eighth doctor movie where you have half an hour of Sylvester mm -hmm. before your title character title actor actually comes into the story. And, and I thought it was a bold move for them to focus on a doctor before I mean, you've, you've, you're pretty much saying with the cover and everything, this is a 10th doctor story. And I thought it was really cool that they, that they gave you that whole like 10 minutes or so before they brought in their main doctor. And I thought that was a really cool. Touch. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I will say the story has one thing that just absolutely just makes me want to pull my hair out. Can you guess what it is? 
No. We, we talked about it sh- briefly in the last story because they mentioned it in the last story. And then like here they confirmed it in this I'm, story. I'm forgetting what it is. The fact that when he changes, evidently he's oh. clothes and oh, everything yes. he's carrying carry, changes with him. And I'm like, yes. what? 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 What, sense, what sense does that make? It's zero sense. Oh and if they God. don't explain it, like that it's not yeah. actually a degeneration, that there's some like sort of weird timey stuff going on, I'm going right. to be so mad because it just doesn't make sense. And that frustrates me so much. Like, why would he have the future incarnation of his Sonic with him? Right. It just and, it doesn't make sense. And it's so funny that they did this, recorded, wrote it probably four years ago, recorded it over three years ago, and we just saw on the television show a regeneration where the clothes changed with the person. And you know and it's, hated that. Oh, it's so dumb. Yes, and it's just bizarre that it's happened in both Big Finish and television at the same time. It's just, it's so nuts. So nuts. Yeah, that that is I didn't think much about that. I agree with you. I mean, it is it is weird. And I did have to think about Wait, do they regenerate? Is he going to change clothes? But it does become that. Can I talk about the I don't I'm not I don't know anything about the the actor that plays the first doctor. Um, And I, I don't know if we have said if the first doctor stories that I have listened to has not been that particular actor. Uh, But I have to say, like, I didn't know what doctor it was. Like, I don't know if I like that take on the first doctor um and i know they've had a lot of different actors play uh play the first doctor um that one was uh, that it took me a minute like having not been into this not listening to it i didn't it took me a minute to realize oh this is the first doctor and at one point i'm like wait is or is it the second doctor is it is it it, no it is the first doctor based on what he's saying but sometimes like the timbre of the voice changed Mm. and like being someone who knows doctor who i had to there were there were things about the timbre of the voice and it was between and i i really didn't know and i actually wasn't completely certain until the end where it says <laughs> says the first doctor played by whatever he calls um, her and, my dear come on what more do you need to know that's the first doctor? well right and, and there how- was some of that but there's a few times that the timbre changes in a way that could have been patrick Troughton's doctor um but but yeah i mean it was pretty obvious uh eventually and there there are things like that my dear and things like that 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 he says uh but i don't know it it took me off guard and i it took me a minute to jump in and realize what was happening i I will say that if you had listened to the previous chapters of this uh ongoing saga you you would it would not have helped you clue into that at all because the only thing that we've gotten from most any of the doctors that aren't featured in the story have just been like wisps They've just been like little flashes of dialogue and there's nothing that's ever focused on. So this is the first time that we've ever gotten a significant scene in for any character other than the, the, the build top, you know, top billing doctor. And so the, the person doing the first doctor is um, Stephen Newman and they've only just recently started using him as the first doctor. I mean, basically like, I mean, obviously they used, you know, like William Russell has been performing him in the Companion Chronicles, but, you know, William is not getting any younger. And then they were using, uh, what's his name? David Bradley. David Bradley. But I mean, you know, he's an, an actor of, you know, reasonable importance. And so he's he's busy and doing stuff. So and they wanted to, you know, keep doing First Doctor stuff. So they came up with another impressionist. And <sighs> I don't disagree with you, Ashley. What's really weird about what Big Finish has done in their recasting is that they have, for whatever reason, they have come out very explicitly to say that they do not want imitations. They want somebody who captures the essence of the character so yeah. that you not are not confused that it actually is the actual original actor. So they are making a conscious choice to use somebody who sounds similar but is not an impression of it which i mean that's a choice i mean i i think they're, they're trying to do it you know to respect the you know pass away actors and, re- and respect them and everything like that but i mean it does sometimes you know lead you to like is this who is this supposed to be i mean i i, I don't blame you at all uh i mean i've never thought that tim trelor sounds like the third doctor really ever <laughs> so exactly but, 
And at the end of the story, I expected it to be like a, like a bookend coming back to the first doctor. So it threw me a little bit just for a second though, that it ended up being Trelore's third yeah. doctor. And then once I got that, I mean, cause he, he just doesn't sell me that much on the third doctor, but once I was there, I was there with him. So it was mm -hmm. fine. It just took me a little second to transition into him. But I thought it was neat, you know, having the first doctor at the beginning and the third doctor at the end, it was a nice little bookend, you know, for a David Tennant story. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about the meta arc and how this ties into a little bit. And maybe you can answer your, ask your questions or actually that you have on it. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to say that this is more or less tied in than the last one. I mean, like, again, the last one was very tangent. At least the last one had the doctor actively investigating what yeah. happened to him. This one, he shows up to where he thinks he needs to go, gets involved in all this Martian nonsense. And then at the end, you know, the Mr. Missy tells him like, oh, well, you know, I'm going through the same issue that you are. I came here for the same reason you did. And yes, the soul here will help you know, resolve some of your issues, take it with you. And then you got to go find the union. And that's, you know, yeah. basically what we get out of the it. union. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, like it is there. And, and the fact that they play into the fact that the whole reason this is all going on because Missy is having the same issue and, you know, is looking to kind of resolve it that they don't really take that too much. Maybe we will get more of that in the next story, because again, her, Veilyard incarnation, the Lumiat is going to be in the next one, so maybe they'll play into that more. I don't know, but um, I did find it interesting that they decided to put her in the same situation and not really mm -hmm. go further with that. I agree. I thought it was I thought it was an interesting choice. I thought that it worked well narratively. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going from here. They've got me hooked. I it mean, they, they, five they episodes. could have done more, but I mean, it's just enough to not annoy me like the first right. couple of stories were, where there was absolutely nothing involved with the story arc. Right, right. You know, I hadn't, as I mentioned, I'm not listening to this, and, and when, Josh, you were telling me about this, you just gave me the story, and I immediately went to Dimensions in Time. Mm -hmm. And this one, honestly did feel a lot like dimensions in time for the, for the reasons that we were talking about with the, like start with the first doctor kind of transition. And then you're another doctor and then you end up being another doctor. Now you told that, that to me and I yeah. immediately went to Alan. <laughs> I said, Oh my God, Ashley just said that this is just dimensions in time again. And I was like, how do we not make that connection? Dude, I don't know how we never made that. <laughs> that never came into my mind. But as soon as Ashley said it, I was like, well, there it is. <laughs> All we need now is the East Ender characters to show up. <laughs> um, there's still time. There um, is. That's true. <laughs> but I think this uh, this one it is a, a a lot like that. Now they've got a, a better meta plot. Uh, you know, there's something going on, and they're trying to figure out what it is. And you're not just trying to raise money or whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> but it, I think it's 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 interesting in that way. But I I agree that even without knowing the meta plot and kind of being it, listening to those other ones, I could quickly, I did, I was able to quickly pick up that what was going on. And I actually thought it was pretty interesting that, Oh, the master's going through this as well. That's why I had to question if we had seen the master before right. she's, she's going through this and she's obviously been in other incarnations uh, and she's kind of traveling back and they're meeting at some point. And then maybe we'll meet other ones. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, like, I, I do wonder if they're going to do more with it. I, I like the cynical person inside of me that I know you never hear ever come out, but the cynical <laughs> person in me thinks like, well, I wonder if they just did that and they're mentioned again, just so that they had a reason as to why, like, the Doctor and Missy don't remember having this meeting. It's like, oh, they were both having this process, so they don't have to worry about it affecting continuity in the future. I mean, the cynical person possible. in you makes me think that's the only reason why it was there. Right. I, hopefully they, they play more with it. I mean, again, it, it helps it tie into the overarching story arc, which is fine. And, you know, gives Missy a reason and a motivation to be doing what she's doing. Yeah. But we had, we had that same situation in the last story where you had to come up with some like concoction, sure. you know, in the plot to explain why characters don't recognize each other either in that story or later on in on televised stories. But at least in this one, it makes sense. 
sure. to say that the master is going through the same situation that the doctor is a, it, it broadens the mystery a little bit, but it also makes sense that these two characters, you know, who have encountered each other in a different part of their timeline might not remember each other because this is the situation that they're in. It totally makes sense. And it works for me. Sure. Sure. I agree. I agree. Um, so the, the, the central plot to the story itself, we have, and I, I mean, like, obviously it's just an excuse to play with all the tropes from war of the worlds, but the fact that it is just something that the Missy did because she, you know, burned out a TARDIS and got bored and was like, well, I need to do something while I'm waiting for the doctor to show up. So (laughs) let me just recreate. I just read war of the worlds. Let me recreate all of it here on this planetoid. And then transmat some people from earth over here like i mean like it's completely insane but i mean that's the master for you so (laughs) i loved it as far as like master plots go it was nuts it was completely insane but i thought it was so much fun and it wasn't like you know a grand scheme to take over the universe it wasn't anything to have dominion over a planet or anything dumb like that it was just a fun little exercise for her to get involved in to entertain herself and i just loved it yeah, agreed. Talking about all the interplay between um, Tenet and Gomez, like just the fact that they play everything up to the point where she's about to kiss him and oh he doesn't God. know what the hell's going on. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I just can't believe that they decided they were going to go there. But um, <laughs> I-, I thought that it actually worked because it was just so barking insane that. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just comedy gold. They both sure. are. And man, the, the, they just play so well off each other. Yeah. And I mean, and then it, they, they talk about in the extras about how, how much that Michelle just goes off book and it's, it's all yeah. her ad libbing. And then like, she just keeps going and they don't know, like, is she going to stop soon? Do I need to come and see my line? What do I do now? Um, and I, I think you can kind of get that from the performances because like nobody is when they're interacting with her, seems like, you know, this woman is insane. Like, how do we deal with that? How do I respond to that? And I don't think that it's just acting. I think they don't know like what point in time they can step into the continue yeah. their part in the performance. Yep. Yeah. Oh, she's so great. I, I think I think some of that, though, I think an, an interesting thing with this particular story and this particular um, setup is you've got kind of this juxtaposition, not only between the doctor and these characters that this particular doctor may not have done, but you've got this is interesting because it's a juxtaposition between like the Russell T D uh, RTD era and the Stephen Moffat era. You've got two different kinds of wit playing against each other uh, in the style. Of, I mean, they're obviously mimicking the, the writing. But I think it's really interesting to see kind of like David Tennant, who really was almost a manic kind of doctor uh, up against this really manic kind of um, uh, master version, incarnation of the master of Missy. And and that Stephen Moffat manic like outdoes the RTD manic (laughs) um, of of the doctor. And, And to the point where it kind of to your earlier point where kind of subdues David Tennant in a way mm. uh, in that David Tennant character, uh, because I think, think the reason he feels a little subdued and um, like you were saying, uh, Josh is because Michelle Gomez is so just off the, she, she is, she's, she, I mean, she actually absolutely steals this, this, um, this, and you never know what's going on. And I, I didn't listen to the end part. I just didn't have time. Um, but as I was listening, I'm like, man, do they have this writing like spot on? That was the thing I noticed is like the dialogue was exactly the kind of dialogue that would have been written in that era with that character. Interesting to know that she was ad living a lot of that yeah. or, or kind of playing off of that. Well, also interesting, um, which after I listened to it, I was like, oh, that makes sense because I, I, I love him so much. But um, so Jonathan Barnes wrote the story, which, you know, I don't have any problem with Jonathan Barnes. He's, uh, his 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 writing has been fine. But I was listening to this and like, man, this is really good. Like Jonathan Barnes really stepped up as a game. But then we find out in the extras that he was like, well, I didn't really know how to crack the Moffat era stuff. So Matt Fitton came in and basically wrote those parts for me. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because <laughs> I, oh, I like missed that. Yeah, I so totally these- missed that. I think that my my re- my file ended 
or like my, I don't know, my iPod stopped or something. And I, and I thought, well, that's a strange place to stop an interview. And I guess there was more that I didn't hear. Yeah, oh, it, that's super interesting. Right. So I don't know, like in the extended extras, um, not only do you have like all the stuff from when they recorded it, but they also have basically the writers that David Richardson coming in, like from this year, providing oh. like a little look back on it. And that's where in the extended extras, that's where you, they talk a lot about the writing process and what goes oh, on. Oh, I yeah, see. So I didn't were, have that. Yeah. So they were talking about how, you know, because Matt Fitton script edited all of these stories. Yep. And like I said, Jonathan Barr said, like, you know, I couldn't really get an idea of like how to capture like that Moffat era stuff. And then Matt Fitton came in and rewrote it all. And now it worked perfectly. And like, yes, it did. That, that totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. We have the Martians that um, oh, yeah. are, you know, I, I guess Time Lord babies. Because... Not Ice Warriors. <laughs> not, yeah, not Ice yeah. Warriors. We, not we lured Warriors. Ashley into doing this episode with us on the premise that certainly <laughs> this is going to be an Ice Warrior story. We're sorry we let you down, buddy. Uh, you know, anytime I can talk to you guys. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but I do have to say the, the end of this with those, the Martians was just fantastic the fact that they just miniaturize and they're just walking around having a little right miniature wars <laughs> right and then, and then stuck them on mars <laughs> yeah and this is the second time that we've done war of the worlds and big finish and it's not been ice warriors because invaders from mars a eighth doctor story from mm -hmm. however many years ago and yeah, you know when i it. listened to it i thought oh this is going to be so awesome they're going to tie ice warriors into the hg wells stuff nope <laughs> nope not at all i mean like I, 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 go again. I mean, you could probably try to do it but i mean like, there's so there's such a different type of oh yeah monster of from the war of the worlds ones like you know what they, they did it in the uh they did it in the uh in the series too waters of mars uh you want to know right. how angry i was when that <laughs> <one came out? laughs> oh yeah man so sorry there weren't any ice warriors We'll get some for you soon, I promise. I'll, I'll live. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, all of the War of the World stuff is set dressing, but, I mean, it's fun set dressing, and, like, oh, it yeah. helps propel, like, the adventure forward, and, you know, they're, you know, having to fight off the tripods and get away from the tripods, and, you know, they're transmanning across the city, and then it's got all of the red weeds around and stuff. Like, I mean, like, it's just a fun set dressing for it to be mm -hmm. in, even if it's not, like, again none of these stories I think are going to be like monumentally like right home. Like, it's like, Oh my God, these are good stories, but you know, for what they are, they need to be fun. And this accomplished that by, yeah. you know, the setting and all the characteristics and the way they all interact with each other. So, I mean, like I don't regret buying this one. unlike some other yeah. ones I might suggest. <laughs> I also really like the whole, like, I don't think it's an intentional callback, but it certainly put me in mind of Android Invasion from Tom Baker's second season, where they basically recreate a British community, a village in that case, on another planet with fake trees, fake buildings, fake people, everything. And this is as elaborate as that. Right. And I really, and I, I love that kind of thing. I love Android invasion is not one of the more popular stories, but I absolutely love it just because of that whole, it's so evocative to me, setting somebody down in a setting that they should recognize and they do recognize, but it isn't exactly what it's supposed to be. I find that so fascinating. And that's the thing that I love the most about this story too. Yeah. I, As a kid, that was one of the scariest, <laughs> that was one of the scariest scenes in, in Doctor Who to that point. This is Android invasion. The scariest scene being when uh, Crayford lifts up his eye patch and well, when Sarah, I'm Sarah kidding. Jane's face falls off. Oh yeah. Of course. That was, a, that was an amazing <clears throat> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> it was, but as a kid, when I watched that, I was like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty young when, when I saw yeah. that one. That's funny. All right. Well, I, again, highly recommend it. Um, even with all the spoilers we give in, like you just listen to it just because Michelle Gomez is so much fun to listen to. Oh my gosh. And Brilliant. I can tell you everything that happened in this story and you should still listen to it just to hear her. So agreed. Agreed. She is off the chain. Yeah, she is. She is quite good. All right. Is that it? Well, that brings us to the end, but it yeah. also brings us to, the other reason why we wanted to have Ashley here that we kind of talked about and yeah. he doesn't know why he's here because <laughs> I wanted it to be a live reaction. Um, 
But Ashley, here's the deal with this, which um, I really kind of hate. You just are way too similar to me on my wavelength. So I, I tell you like, oh, we got a surprise for you, Ashley. And then like, you're like, was it this? I'm like, quit trying to figure it out, Ashley, because obviously it's not that. But yes, that is exactly what it is. Alan and I were talking about role-playing games in our last episode, and we were talking about playing the Doctor Who role-playing game. And I was like, oh, I haven't played RPG for years. We should do that. And I was like, well, you know, there's somebody that we know who has been talking to me about running a Doctor Who RPG for years now. Ashley, would you like to tell us a little bit more about stupid damn Peloton that you're going to make me run through? What, the Horns of Peloton? Yes, the, the Horns, horns of, of Peloton. Peloton. Yes. Tell us about the Horns <clears throat> of Peloton. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've not ran it yet. I have an idea of what it is. But um, I want to tell you if we run through it. Well, well set up you... a basic general premise for the for the listeners. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I don't want to give it away. All the right, premise fine. is you're on. You're on... <laughs> um, I, I think you can pretty much figure the premise out. It's like. Uh, the two best things in Doctor Who ever put together. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Or should I buddy. say the three best Doctor Who things uh, <laughs> put together. So uh, I don't know. I've had this idea for years, this idea of, of um, well, I've wanted to do a Doctor Who RPG for years and doing the, uh, uh, obviously I would have Peladin in it and it is funny because that is exactly what i said and you were like yeah no that's stupid why would we do that <laughs> well obviously i can ruin the surprise if we showed up on the show actually so yes so doctors and daleks which is the uh dungeons and dragons fifth edition uh version of the doctor who rpg is getting a official physical release in november and so supposedly, well, they've, they've been solicited. It's, it's going to be out in November. It's going, it's got to be out in November. So that means you have a couple of months to get things ready for us, Ashley. And if you are willing to run it for a couple of us and we can release it as part of the podcast, you're going to be up for it. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would we'll be amazing. Figure that out. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to do that. That All sounds right. awesome. Holy well, cow. You've got Although, I mean, there's plenty of other versions of Doc the Doctor Who RPG that's already out. Yes, but and it's also Alan, Alan has played D&D in the past. That's his touchstone for role-playing, so we'll, we'll get him in with a very similar system that he's used to, and it gives us a reason to wait till November to give you time to put it together. And I already <laughs> told you that if I'm going to buy one system of Doctor Who, that I'm going to stick with one, and that's the one I've got on order, so that's what we're playing. All right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I guess I'll have to order it too then. Um, that sounds fun. I have three copies of Time Lord. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, hey, look, you know, I would love I'm to play right some Time there. Lord. Right over there. I would okay. love to play me some Time Lord, but we're going to play the 5e version of Doctor Who. That's where, and honestly, let's be honest, like, we want people to listen to it. You know, Dungeons and Dragons, that's what they'll listen to. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to think about the numbers, Ashley. I know it's been a long time for you since you've been selling things on the podcast, but you know, got to be with the people, what the people want. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, and if you're the storyteller, you can set up however you want to. So it's, it'll be on you if the story fails, not That's the right. system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll fail. So no pressure. Oh, no pressure. Right. Oh, man. All right. So, um, we just talked about the fifth chapter of uh, Big Finishes Once in Future. Chapter six is coming out next month in October. It is called Time Lord Immemorial, and it stars Christopher, e Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor, David Warner as the alternate universe Doctor, Gina McKee as the Lumiot, um, Robert Powell as the Time Lord Immemorial, and Nicola Walker as Liv Chenka. So I'm looking forward to that. That you is going to be I am. that is an interesting collection of characters right there, and I am really jazzed to see what it is they're doing with that. Well, I mean, you know, you've got David Warner as the Doctor, and then yeah. you got your best Ace Doctor companion ever in the right. form of Livchinka. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep, should be good. And the Lumiot—that's going to be an interesting addition to this that whole thing. Will be interesting. We'll see. Yes. 
All right, so we will be back next week talking about more Doctor Who. Now we're going to be back to our regular um, platform yeah. of talking about TV stories uh, in our quest toward the 60th anniversary in November. And we worked our way through all the Doctors, so we are wide open. So I guess you get to start us off, Alan. You get to pick the Doctor and the story, and then I get to pick the next one. So, but, but you get to go right. first. Should I go for something really classic and really epic, or should I go for something off the wall that'll be fun? You, hey, it's up to you, buddy. It's all you. All right. Well, we're going to go off the wall because this is one that we uh, mentioned in a previous episode, and I haven't watched in a really long time, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. It is The Nightmare of Eden. Mm, Nightmare From of Eden. From season 17, Tom Baker and Lala Ward. It's going to be not necessarily epic but it's going to be an interesting one you know you know fun bit of ephemeral for my family that used to be my son's favorite story because of the tin damn dog oh wow that's interesting he just i mean like out of all the canine stories he just loved watching that one for whatever reason i don't know if it was because maybe the monsters were scary but not quite so scary i don't know right but he loved it I mean, cool. as much as a five-year-old watching old VHS tapes could love something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will see everybody next week. Everybody take care. Have a great week. Keep traveling in those TARDISes. Keep your sonic screwdrivers pointed. I don't know what I'm trying to say with that. <laughs> and we will talk to you next time. Be seeing ya. Thanks for listening to Doctor Who A to Z. You can find episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and other podcast networks. Theme remix used by kind permission of Doctor Who composer Dominic Glenn. We'd love to hear from you, so please drop us a line at Z at gmail or leave a comment wherever you're listening. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time, and until then, remember, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Yeah.